1: Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. It is Wednesday, October 3rd. I'm Josh Dunn. I've got Anshu Khanna and Dan Bauer here with me on this hump day edition of The Leftovers. Dan, how you feeling?
2: uh feeling tired but dedicated for all of our listeners to try to get this show out for you on this happy hump day
1: yeah we were planning on recording after the cubs rockies uh game here but uh, the game's still going on they're in the top of the 12th as we record aren't you this game has been wild which we'll get to but before we do i gotta know how you're feeling as we uh as we record here on tuesday evening
0: I'm doing absolutely amazing. Just so, so great to hear both your voices.
1: Likewise, likewise. So uh, what I did just now it was what we call in the biz a tease, which we're, we're going to talk baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but before we do, there was some Monday night football action this week. Uh, we had a dandy really this whole weekend, and I listened to your guys' show from Monday. Uh, great job recapping the weekend's action. But there was a big game here on Monday night, the Chiefs with a comeback win at the Denver Broncos Uh, it looked like Denver had this one in the bag but the Chiefs were able to come back you know Mahomes didn't play up to the caliber we had seen him up to this point in the season but he had enough in the tank to get things done and go on that game-winning drive we'll start with you Dan what did you see out of Mahomes here you know obviously showing some maturity here only in his second year and his first year as a starter but to kind of lead his team down the stretch be able to orchestrate that game-winning drive and pull one off on the road against a solid Broncos team. I mean, this Broncos team definitely looking improved from what they were last year, uh, but Case Keenum just can't put the ball in the end zone. He misses Demarius Thomas with an opportunity to go ahead and win that game, uh, throws it right over his head down the sideline. But what did you see out of the Chiefs specifically in this one to improve to 4-0?
2: Well, I think, you know, you mentioned it. Patrick Mahomes didn't have the world's greatest stack game. Uh, Joe throws for just one touchdown, 28 of 45 uh, for 304. But the sign of a truly great quarterback is that you can lead your team to victory and you can will your team even when you're not having your best night. You know, one of those where you make everyone around you better. And uh, while a lot of his team... Didn't necessarily uh, pick him up. They did just enough to win. I mean, he spread the ball around. He hit uh, seven, eight, nine different receivers over the course of that game. Uh, Kareem Hunt goes 19 carries for 121 yards. I mean, uh, and, and really willing that team, that left-handed throw, obviously, to really spark uh, them at the end. Uh, he he played, while not having his best night, really willed his team to win. And like I said, I think that's the tr- sign of a truly great quarterback.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely, uh, you know, proved that he can win a tough game. But what re- really worries me about this Chiefs team, Anshu, is the defensive play, especially the run defense. I mean, they, they really let Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman run all over them. Uh, Lindsay averaged about six yards a carry, Royce Freeman averaged over eight. Both of them had a touchdown in this game. And, you know, even though Case Keenum put in the couldn't put the ball in the end zone. He was relatively efficient. They were able to get to him four times, but you know, looked relatively efficient other than that one interception. And, and they were able to run the ball down the field on the Chiefs pretty much at will for the majority of this game. Do you think the Chiefs' defense provides them with a big enough opportunity to win the AFC this year? I mean, that's the one thing about this team that I would point to as a weakness.
0: Yeah, uh, I think it's a great point. Uh, you know, Eric Berry doesn't play in this. He's obviously key to their defensive run and, you know, their tight end blocking or uh, guarding, which is important, obviously. But overall, you know, that's that's going to be the difference between Kansas City being a true contender and not. I mean, Mahomes looks the part, no question about that. But, and you know, that's really the key when you start up a – you know, a newfound contender. It's do you have what you need at quarterback, and Mahomes clearly does have that. But I, I, right now, I don't think that they're good enough on defense to win the AFC outright. We're looking at a Patriots team that's soon to have, you know, Julian Edelman back, Gronk healthy as the season goes along. Obviously, they've got Hogan, Josh Gordon getting worked into the offense. I just don't think that this Kansas City team, long term, can hang with a Belichick coach Patriots team. But, for now, they look awesome. But, you know, your point's well taken. I just – I don't think that this defense is championship caliber by any means.
1: Yeah, I would agree with a lot of what you guys both said. I I think that uh, they've got a ways to go. And I I still think we're going to see a game even worse than this out of Mahomes. I mean, everybody loves him, and he's been great. And this is not me being a hater. You know, I'm impressed with this kid as well. But, you know, he's he's now four games into his young NFL career, and I – I know that we saw kind of flashes of him looking like a rookie at times in this game, but he, he made the big plays when it counted in this one, and it was on the road. It was in Denver, which is not an easy place to play, uh, but I still think we're going to see a game or two here this year out of Mahomes where you know he looks like uh, a guy starting for the first time in his NFL career or at least starting for the first season in his uh, NFL career, short NFL career. Uh, there is another AFC game here this week, early in the week. We always preview the Thursday night games here on our Wednesday show. Uh, this one may be not the blockbuster game that uh, Kansas City and Denver was, but Indianapolis goes on the road to uh, which, who you mentioned, New England, and they're going to go into this uh, Foxborough uh, Stadium, Gillette Stadium, and they, they really need a win in their own right. You know, I know you've been really high on Andrew Luck throughout his career, aren't you, but you know, he finally looks like he's at least healthy enough, uh, you know, to, to to do some things with this offense. But I don't think that this Indianapolis team has enough, obviously, to beat uh, to beat New England. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, I, I do agree. Unfortunately, T.Y. Hilton unlikely to play Jack Doyle unlikely to play. So that leaves Andrew Luck with the likes of like Ryan Grant and Esther Rogers, I think. And obviously Eric Ebron, I, I mean, and you know, they're already struggling at tight at uh, the offensive line with injuries. So it's just going to be really tough for, for Indy to go in there and win that if they do, this is going to be a signature moment for Andrew Luck who has never beaten Bill Belich back in his career. So, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be really brutal. I'm not sure if the line is what it should be. I think it's a uh, seven points right now.
2: Ten. Uh, Ten
0: oh it's 10 geez okay yeah that's that's a lot but uh and then Adam Vinatieri i read was questionable too if you needed any more reason to believe that the Colts couldn't keep up so i think it's going to be tricky for the colts for sure that you know and they're in a spot where this is pretty much a must win game you cannot go to 1 and 4 uh heading into week 5 so or week 6 so that's that's a tough pill to swallow but you can already pretty much chalk it up as a loss unfortunately for them
1: yeah, I mean, I I just think, like you mentioned, the injuries. Marlon Mack, you know, keeps showing up on the injury report as questionable and then not playing. They can't figure out what this backfield is supposed to look like. And really outside of T.Y. Hilton, like you mentioned, what playmakers do they really have? Uh, Eric Ebron's been good with Jack Doyle down, but, you know, I don't think you can rely on a tight end that's in his, what, eighth career uh, year. So... I don't I don't see it. Uh, Dan, anything that you would add there? I mean, New England's got some injuries on their side of the ball. Obviously, we've talked about Rex Burkhead. He's no longer going to be in the fold for them. He's on the IR. Josh Gordon and Rob Bronkowski are both questionable in this one. Uh, But do you see anything differently than than we do here as we look toward this Thursday night game?
2: I, I will say I'm not jumping back on the Patriots' bandwagon as quick as a lot of people, and maybe you guys are on this. I mean, I know they trounced the Dolphins last week, but it's also a Dolphins team that Anshu has repeatedly talked about it just being overrated, had a pretty easy start to their season. And the first three games of the year, the the Patriots barely beat a not-very-good Texas team and then lose to the Jags and the Lions. You know, I, I know they're starting to get a little healthier uh, and in theory they they're going to get better and they have a tendency to start slow this isn't anything super new but I'm also not really ready to to jump back on uh, the Patriots are going to automatically go to the Super Bowl they have no competition in the AFC bandwagon that a lot of people are so I I think this game is going to be closer than you guys might be giving credit for I think 10 points is a lot I I still think they come out with a win but I honestly think it's a four-point win not a 10-point win That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I could see
1: that. Uh, Before before we move to baseball, I did want to touch on a couple pieces of news out of the NFL. So Michael Kendricks, obviously, uh, you know, former Browns linebacker has been playing for the Seahawks. He's now suspended indefinitely uh, after pleading guilty to those federal insider trading charges that we talked about earlier on in an earlier show prior to his release from the Browns uh anything here you know obviously this is bad news for the Seahawks he did actually been playing pretty well but you know this guy could face some serious time uh in the clink as they call it uh Dan I know this is a guy that you you had on your Browns team for a little while uh do you see this as a big blow for the Seahawks team obviously their defense has been a little suspect and and Earl Thomas going down with the broken leg also huge
2: yeah, I mean I think the combination of those two things uh, officially would count them out in the NFC West especially with how good the Rams are playing, uh, you know, two game lead and losing, you know, arguably two of your top the, you know, top half defensive players uh, out for the season there is, is a pretty big blow, and I don't think they can just keep pace. I think um, th- that Rams team is too good, and uh, I think it's time, if you're Seattle, you start seriously considering uh, whether it's time to maybe start selling the farm a little bit um, and, and try to get a rebuild.
1: All right, Anshu, I've got one for you as well. So Le'Veon Bell now announcing that he is likely to be coming back uh, after the Steelers' bye. I believe it was after week seven uh, is when he's, he's expected to be back. Uh, first of all, obviously with the Earl Thomas slipping out the sidelines, I know you guys talked about it on Monday's show, uh, but do you agree with the decision now for Le'Veon Bell? Obviously he sees – you know Earl Thomas get injured. He tweets at him on social media saying, "This is why we're doing what we're doing. I'll kind of carry the flag for the carry the torch for this this movement. Make sure that you know I'm leading the charge as far as us guys who deserve to get paid and aren't." Uh, so, I mean, do you agree with him now deciding to come back, or do you, do you think that the Steelers should still trade him? Where do you land on this story?
0: Oh man, I kind of think all of the above. I I think that he's in the Like he's well within his rights to sit out. I wouldn't do it, but you know, when you look at what happened with Earl Thomas, it's clearly, you know, it's a potential precursor for what might happen to Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Earl Thomas didn't flip off the sidelines because he got hurt. He did it because he sacrificed the opportunity to make more money just so that he could play. I mean, yes, he was still cashing game checks, but, you know, there is an inherent risk involved with getting out there. And, you know, and he plays safety, which is a much less, much more, yeah, much less dangerous position than running back. So, you know, I think that it's the comp between him and Bell is is interesting. And at the same time, if I'm the Steelers, you have to look out for your own franchise. You know that Le'Veon Bell is very unlikely to come back next year. And, uh, you know, if you think you can potentially go all the way with James Conner, I don't see that. But if you think you can, then you flip Bell for more than the assets you would get by getting the compensatory pick if he left in free agency. So just a tough, really a tough situation um. To and and I think all sides kind of are right in this. If if the Steelers are indeed making calls or listening to calls, but I I think at the end of the day, Bell is going to play for the Steelers and uh, and it's going to start in week eight. But will it be too late? I mean, look, the Steelers are one two and one right now. They play Atlanta this week. Atlanta no gimme win there, and they're you know the Falcons are one and three. They really really need to win this game too. So. They're going to face a Falcons team that's absolutely up for this game. Then Pittsburgh goes to Cincy before the bye. I mean, by the time that bye hits, there's a non-zero chance they're at best, you know, like two, four, and one. That is not where you want to be, you know, and, and or two, three, and one maybe. I mean, that that's not really a super easy road to come back from, especially if you're already trailing Cincy by several games. So. Um, I think Pittsburgh's got a, a big issue here, um, and you might want to cash your chips in for Bell while you can early.
1: Dan, say they do drop at least one, maybe two of these games. If you're on, I mean, do you, do you decide that maybe you want to continue sitting out? You know, I mean, is there a point where you decide this season is lost on the the Pittsburgh Steelers and you just kind of t- cut your losses and hope for the best deal for yourself? Or do you think he's coming back and playing football regardless of how the, how things shake out?
2: No, I mean, if if I'm him, I don't report until the last day I can, week 11, so he still technically becomes a free agent at the end of the year. I mean, there is, especially after what you saw with Earl Thomas, there is no point for him, uh, you know, whether – you know, whether they're in it or not. I mean, it's not like he's a guy, you know, that he's got his Super Bowl ring. Uh, you know, he doesn't need, he's not chasing it. Um, he's got kind of the pinnacle of the sport and now he wants his one big contract. If I'm him, I don't report a minute earlier than I have to at the last moment of week 11. So I make sure I'm a free agent this off season. Let me, I have a question for
0: both of you because these stories don't get leaked unless someone is incentivized to do it. So what side do you think leaked it and why? Like, do you think it's Bell's party that's saying, all right, let's put it out there. Like he is going to be back week seven or week eight or, or, you know, like, or do you think it's the Steelers trying to put, apply pressure on Bell? Like, where, where do you think this is coming from and what, you know, th- these news stories do not break unless there's a reason behind it. So I'm interested to hear what you guys think about that.
2: I I, I think, it, Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, I think it's for sure the Steelers leaking it. It's like the... You know, not putting politics too much into it, but it's like the Trump, uh, you know, saying that a person resigned and then basically bullying you into resigning kind of thing we've seen a couple of times. So it's I think it's the Steelers putting it out there for him to dispute and make him look like the bad guy uh, because everything that he has said has made it look like he has no interest in playing football for them at all so to come out i was very shocked when i heard him say that or the news came out that he was going to report i was like uh why it just doesn't make sense right and i think this is one of the situations where the the most logical answer is probably the correct one And i think it's the team putting trying to put pressure on him and just bullying him into trying to report and i think it's going to backfire even worse than this whole situation already has.
1: I, I actually disagree with you. I, I think this is Le'Veon Bell's camp that that's leaking this news, and I think they're doing it for a very strategic reason. I think – They want to put pressure on other teams to make a deal for Le'Veon. And I think that this is putting pressure now on the Steelers to say, well, if he's coming back, we want to get as much value out of him as we possibly can as opposed to getting a half-assed Le'Veon Bell effort the rest of the season and him not really wanting to play for this team. So I think this is Le'Veon's camp because especially the way that the Steelers camp reacted to this or the Steelers front office reacted to this was – you know, that's great he's coming back, but we're still open to dealing him, and we're still actively looking for that deal. So I think it was strategic move on Le'Veon Bell's camp's part, and I think it's working in their favor uh, because I think ultimately he wants to get traded so he can get that extension just like Khalil Mack did this offseason. So I, I think it's coming from Le'Veon's camp. I could see your point, Dan, but I- I'm going to take the other side on this, and I-, I really do believe that this is an attempt to get a trade done quicker than maybe the Steelers are in a, in a hurry to do so. I, would you think? What did you think, aren't you? I mean, obviously, we're on different sides of this year.
0: I, I mean, I'm fascinated by it because I think you both bring up really good points. I, I mean, I, I thought Dan was – I mean, I would have said that I thought it was a Steelers leak. But you're right, Josh, that you know, the fact is the team did come out right after and did say that like they were still interested in the trade. So unless they were speaking out of both sides of their mouth and trying to truly pressure Bell into doing it, I mean, I don't know, and you know, the other part of this is it could be the agent. That's the third, uh, uh, you know, sort
1: of party, which I would consider Bell's camp.
0: Yeah, but if it's but what I'm saying is, if the agent leaks it independent of Bell, then it pushes their client into having to play. You know, potentially feeling like he had to play, and that cashes more money for the agent. So I'm just saying. I mean, that would be that's a a good point. But a move, but it's possible that the agency does something like that.
1: I would argue – I mean I would think that he would be firing his agent if there was something that, that had happened that he wasn't on board with. I, I would think that's a conversation that needs to happen, but it, it's it's intriguing. I mean the whole situation is – like you said aren't you I think it's fascinating, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. Uh, I, I, I would not be surprised if Levion, even though say, says he's going to be coming back after the buy, still decides not to play with the whole yeah. L. Thomas thing once he really lets that sink in, I mean what if he does come back and tear his ACL and never get another contract in his life then all, then his whole you know all, all of what he was doing and taking a stand is for nothing, and, and I, I think it's interesting. Yeah.
0: I think it's, it's super interesting. I think it's a major crossroads for the players. And, uh, you know, Bell has a chance to be, like you said, kind of like be the flag carrier for this thing. And I, I think it's going to take a lot of toughness out of him to do that because look, his teammates have already put him on blast in the media and, you know, he's, and, and, you know, he's also not making money. Let's not forget that he's not making millions of dollars, I, I mean, I think that this is a really, really nuanced and complicated situation. I don't envy him at all. And I think that this is, it's super, it's just super tricky. And if he does get hurt, you're right, Josh, he's going to be in the same spot as or worse than Earl Thomas, which is, you know, he's never going to get the cash in on that big deal that he probably deserved based on his career.
1: Yeah, we'll, well, you guys will hear about it before we tell you about it, but we're gonna we're gonna have a reaction for sure when we hear how this thing finally shakes out. Uh, but uh, we did finally want to get to some baseball. Obviously, it's that time of year. It is now October. Halloween's around the corner, uh, which means that the baseball playoffs are upon us. And uh, one of those games still going on now. It's in the thirteenth inning. Lucky number thirteen. Kyle Hendricks is now in the game pitching for the Chicago Cubs, but let's talk about how we got there. So the Dodgers, uh, excuse me, the Dodgers beat the Rockies yesterday uh, to set the Rockies up to play the Cubs in this National League wildcard game. Uh, Milwaukee beats the Cubs yesterday. Uh, Milwaukee's been on a tear lately. Uh, I know that you both, you know, have talked about this, uh, the run that the, the Brewers have been on, but Dan... What do you see out of this Brewers team? I mean, this is this the team that's getting hot at the right time? Uh, you know, obviously they're going to play the the winner of this Rockies Cubs game, but uh, or, excuse me, the Rockies Cubs winner plays the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Do I have that right? No, they play the Brewers. Oh, it the is the Brewers. Of okay, Brewers, so it's
0: possible. Possible that the Cubs and Brewers play like five of six games, essentially.
1: Gotcha, gotcha. So, where do you see this this Brewers team in the kind of the framework of this postseason here in the MLB? And then we'll obviously get to the game that uh, that's still going on. But Dan, why don't we start with you?
2: Yeah, well, you started that with uh, you know, kind of what is the reasoning for for their hot streak? And two words for you, Christian Yelich. I mean, mm-hmm. the kid cannot stop hitting baseballs. So he goes three for four. Uh, against the Cubs, Knox in the first run of the game, and just the the momentum of of that game, uh, just or that hit uh, propelled that team to a win. Um, it, it's exciting. Him and Lorenzo Cain at the top of that lineup are just so difficult uh, to, to to pitch around. Uh, then obviously after that, you got to go through if you're and then you got to pitch to Braun and Aguilar. I mean that that top of that lineup is just stacked, and even all the way through it, once you get down, I mean you got Moustakas hitting. Uh, you know late in a lineup is not a easy one for a pitcher to go through so I mean this Milwaukee team is is hot you mentioned it just on an absolute tear towards the end of the season uh, made up what was it six games in the last month of the the season to tie the Cubs for uh, the division lead and then obviously uh, win the tiebreaker so I mean Milwaukee's a dangerous team I i they are going to beat whoever they end up playing here in this first round. Um, but it's, uh, it's going to be a fun one for sure. Yeah, and obviously
1: the Dodgers were able to pull off the win against the Rockies. Bellinger had a big home run in that game. Now, you know, the Rockies, like we said, play in the Cubs. Aren't you, I'll, I'll pose that question to you. I mean, this Dodgers team, we know they have the offense. The pitching's been the question for them, at least the starting pitching, pretty much all year. So where do you see this Dodgers team as we look forward into the postseason?
0: Uh, I mean, I really like their starting pitching. I think they have by far the best starting pitching of the NL teams. And I think there's an argument. Fought through some injuries, though. Fought
1: through some injuries.
0: They've they've definitely rounded into form here down the stretch. I know that during the season they've kind of struggled, but they threw out Walker Bueller there, the rookie. I mean, just an amazing performance in the one-game playoff. He is electric. They now throw Hyunjin Ryu here in game one against uh, against the Braves, who they'll – They'll throw them against, and then they get Kershaw for Game Two, which is just an awesome issue to have. And then they can come back with their best pitcher so far in the second half in Bueller for Game Three. I just think the Dodgers are clearly the best team, top to bottom and balance-wise in the NL. I would be stunned, and I really do mean that. I would be stunned if they don't win the NL. I think they're by far the best team. And, uh, I, I expect them to to take quick to make quick work of the uh, the Braves, and then. I think if they play the Cubs, that could be an interesting series. If not, it'll be quick work of whoever they play next.
1: Interesting. So the NL, obviously there's still some things to be decided here tonight. Uh, but before we touch on that Cubs-Rockies game, which is still in the 13th inning, we've uh, got one and one man on base with two outs for the, uh, the Rockies. So we may be able to break this news to you because you guys wouldn't have heard it, especially our Chicago listeners already. Uh, but – <laughs> A lot of you have probably already gone to bed. So if you're not looking at your phone first thing in the morning, maybe you'll hear us and, and talk about that game with us. But let's talk about the AL. We've got the athletics at the New York Yankees tomorrow. Uh, aren't you? Obviously the athletics, again, another team kind of like what you talked about with Milwaukee. This is a team that's been very hot. Uh, this is a team that kind of snuck their way into the playoffs down that second half stretch. And the Yankees are a team that's, again, battled through some injuries, more on the offensive side of the ball, but their pitching hasn't really stayed true to the form that it was in in the first half of the year. Severino's in particular not pitched as well as he did the first half. Um, do you think the Yankees will have enough to pull this one off or do you think the athletics will continue the run they've been on?
0: Well, the Athletics are taking the white-hot trend of having an opener in this game. So Liam Hendricks will start for the A's, and then they'll probably go to their pen. I mean, and then they've got Blake Trainin, amongst others, there to close things out. I mean, that formula has worked for the A's. They've they've kind of just cobbled it together and then relied on a awesome offense that's led by Chris Davis and uh, Matt Chapman. I mean, they're they're a really interesting team, kind of built the way the Rays. And really, they're the new money ball part two here. And I mean, they're they're a really interesting team. The Yankees just much more your traditional team. They'll start your boy Severino, who's been very up and down throughout the second half, as you know. Um, I, I mean, I I still lean towards the Yankees just because you know they've got those power bats. But you know, the fact is, this could go either way. I mean, they're they're both really good teams. I, if I had to gun them ahead, I would. I would take New York just because they're they're playing at home, I believe, and you know I think that with with Aaron Judge with um, Giancarlo Stanton they're just too good. But it's going to be a really interesting game, and and it's it's the ultimate chess match versus just straight up masters, which is interesting.
1: Who do you have winning the AL?
0: <laughs> I'm rolling with the Tribe, man. I think that Cleveland is this. I I think that their pitching is outstanding. I think they. You know the, the last week has been really good for them. The fact that they can they can rest up and then go into that Astros series. Um, I, I just I think that that series first of all is, I think the winner wins the AL outright. But um, I really I just think it's Cleveland's year. I just have a feeling I think they've had too many trips to not have actually put, not have all put it all together. And uh, I just I think this is it.
1: Dan, I know you like hearing that, so I've got to hear your AL pick and who you think's going to win that wild card game.
2: Um, sorry, about the wild card. I'm actually going to echo a lot of uh, what Anshu said, but maybe for some slightly different reasons. I do think the the Yankees are going to pull it out. Uh, if not, for nothing, it's it, it's in New York. It's at Yankee Stadium. You have a very inexperienced Oakland team, and we saw even how the Indians went in there last year and a very experienced team look a little bit shook by the the ghosts of Yankees past there. Uh, so I think that's going to do it. Uh, Severino, it, this is a redemption game for him after, after failing to perform in last year's playoffs. So uh, I think he comes out and just... Uh, absolutely shuts this team down um but yeah it is gonna be a fun little old new school uh you know the new school of, of having a reliever start and piece together a bullpen versus i'm gonna hand the baseball to my best guy uh, or the most talented most electric guy we have and cross our fingers so um it'll be a fun one i think new york pulls it out though uh in in what will be another fun game hopefully it doesn't go as long so we can catch up on some sleep uh tomorrow night before the that indians Astros series but uh It is a homer pick. I am going to say I think the Indians can do it. I I just think their their pitching is set up so Everyone's well rested, um, barring some crazy freak accident. As people are walking into the clubhouse on uh, Friday, um, everyone will be healthy, and it's the the first time that Indian seems ready to go. The the advantage of having Trevor Bauer uh, right now he's not looking to it, not set to start any of the first three games, but come in for an extended bullpen. Potentially, Bauer starts Game Four. I mean, that's just absurd to think uh, that Trevor Bauer could be your Game Four starter in a playoff series, uh, and and just that Indians starting. State just is too unbelievably good.
1: Yeah, I mean I think I think I hate to you know I don't want to be the one to jinx it, but this could be their year and this AL playoff, you know, is gonna just it's it's made out to be one of the better ones we've seen in recent history. Obviously Indians taking on the Astros and you've got Boston just sitting there waiting for the winner of that AL game and regardless of whether it's a Yankees, uh Red Sox rivalry series or if uh the A's are able to pull it out, I mean it's gonna be electric regardless and you know, this is what we wait for during an 162-game baseball season. It really starts to drag on there toward the end of the year. But when October hits, it gets exciting. And you can kind of see that here in Chicago as the Cubs are now down 2-1. to one. So let's get to what we've been waiting to talk about, and then we'll close out the show. Obviously, we're not going to have a result here, which we were hoping for, but the Rockies do have a lead now with runners on the corners. There's two outs, but they're up 2-1. to one. Uh, it, Let's assume the Rockies are able to hold on and win this game. What does that yeah. mean for the Cubs team moving forward, Dan? Obviously, this is a Cubs team that's kind of been in the prime of, of this, you know, this, this run that they've been on. They win the World Series in 2016 against your tribe. Last year doesn't go as well. Uh, but if they lose this game, I mean, where does this team go forward? And obviously, this is very much, you know, contingent on them losing. But, you know, assuming they do, what, what do you see for the future of this Cubs franchise?
2: I mean, I don't think anyone's hitting panic buttons in Chicago uh, just yet. I mean, they were—they had the tied for the best record in the National League uh, this year, obviously with Milwaukee, um, who then bested them in that first playoff game. So I think it's fine. I think the what you're really going to see is a need to increase uh, some depth on that starting pitching staff. The Cubs have never been notoriously very good uh, at developing their pitchers, um, and so you know they, you try to bring a new. And that experiment doesn't really work. Um, so, y- y- well, so, um, you know, you need to, I-, I think that you need to take a serious look at the ability, because that payroll is just starting to get out of control. If you want to try to sign Bryce Harper, um I don't I just don't understand how you're gonna afford it if you keep having to pay pitchers because you can't develop them. So um I think that's the serious look. But again, this is this is a team who won more games than anybody uh you know, tied for it with Milwaukee at the start of this year. So uh they'll be back just as good as ever next year. Uh, I think it's just more of a long term thing that they need to to really put some attention to detail on that uh starting staff. Anchu, let's play devil's advocate here. Let's assume
1: the Cubs are gonna come back and win this, which I know as a sox fan, neither of us really want to see, but if they do win this, do they have the medal to pull off a series against the hot Milwaukee team?
0: Uh, I man I mean they I, they do have the medal to do it that we've seen them come back from the dead repeatedly like for all of our our dislike maybe for the fan base or the, the organization itself I mean they are they're a pretty clutch franchise, generally speaking. Uh, in the last two years, I'll say, um, but you know, they or three years, but they, you know, like they, they, I, 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 I have a weird feeling about Milwaukee in that series. I think that they're gonna, they're just gonna do work on whoever they play. They get the two first two games in Miller Park. That's been just waiting for a playoff game forever. And uh, you know, they if if that's what they go play, they you know the Cubs have used twenty three of twenty five players tonight. So, you know, it's going to be tough to run right back out and play. But, um, you know, they'd obviously have the momentum and they still have all these really great hitters. So, you know, that they'll be around and uh, they'll, you know, they're probably still a better rotation than Milwaukee. even if they're pitching their fourth best pitcher, considering all the guys they've used tonight, um, you know, it'll be interesting. But I, I think that they could definitely pull it off. I'd still pick Milwaukee, but I think they could pull it off.
1: Well, I wish we could have given you the results on this show. Uh, the Rockies will now go into the bottom of the 13th with a 2-1 to lead as, uh, as Dahl strikes out there to end the top of the 13th. And uh, the Cubs have hitters coming up, so they've got Gore, then Baez, and Almora Jr. So we'll see what happens. I know, Dan, it's East Coast time out there, and uh, you know <laughs> we, we did our best to try to get this one out after that game. But some of these baseball games, just uh, they drag on. So let's get to Oh By The Ways, and let's let our listeners get back to their Wednesday. We'll start with you, aren't you?
0: Okay, so Kevin Durant has said that he will be honest about the free agent process in this season, which means he's going to talk about it, or it's going he knows it's going to be brought up a lot. He's willing to be willing, quote-unquote, to be open, quote-unquote, about this season. I just am so over all this, Josh. I know you are. I'm sure you are as well. Mm-hmm. I just do not want to hear about this stuff and getting it dragged on and on. We've already heard Klay Thompson be asked about it repeatedly, and he has essentially assured everyone that he's staying in Golden State, like, basically saying this is exactly the kind of situation you'd want to come to and blah, blah, blah. But if we have to deal with Kevin Durant every other day for this whole season, this NBA season just cannot come and go soon enough, honestly. I'm Agreed. Like Thank it. you. I'm already dreading this season, and it hasn't even started. So just get ready that we're going to end up having to have many, you know, dog days of February talking about this stupid. BS way that these players react to their contracts.
1: You know what's going to be disgusting is when Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant both go to the Lakers. It's going to be gross. Dan, what do you have?
2: Well, from one winter sport to another, uh, it's been looking like For all intents and purposes, Seattle will get a hockey team, will be the 32nd NHL team uh, starting. They're shooting for 2021, realistically probably more like 21-22. They will get it. And all but leaked, they will be the Seattle Totems. Uh, So keep an eye out for some fun jerseys coming out of Seattle. But uh, a a return of a winter sports franchise to Seattle. I know the, the people of Washington State will be very excited to see that
1: definitely hopefully we get a seattle basketball team back at some point too but uh the nba like Angie said it, it's kind of getting nauseous uh but I, I nauseating i should say but i will say that that that's my oh by the way so the the preseason for the Cavs anyway started tonight they get a win uh it looked really good in the first half against the celtic starters kyrie irving didn't play they're gonna play them again here this weekend and then lebron obviously no longer with cleveland his first game Uh, at at, uh, the Staples Center in a Lakers uniform. Looked pretty good, but the guys around him didn't. So I watched a little bit of both of those games. Was pleased with the way the Cavs looked. Kevin Love especially looked great. Uh, But LeBron James looked good. But what what was being put on the court around him did not look so good. So it'll be interesting to see. How that NBA season shakes out, but uh, the winter sports are still a little bit of ways away. We're in the heart of football season. We've got M- MLB playoffs coming right at us. Uh, so we'll keep you guys locked in on that as we will stay tuned ourselves. Anything for the good of the group, guys? I know we went a little long in this episode, but uh, again, we love talking sports
2: with you guys. Real trap,
1: Love it. For Dan Bauer and Anshu Kana, I'm Josh Dunn. This has been The Leftovers.